Hi everyone and welcome to the Palmer Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Um, it's really great to be with you all again. And I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the show today. Um, somebody that I've uh, been following on social media for a while. Uh, her name is Ren Helmerix. So welcome to the show, Ren. Thanks for having me. And tell us a bit about what you do, because I think it's really interesting. Well, what I do is, well, the reason I'm here, part of what I do, is I read tarot. I use tarot in what I call a trauma-informed way that supplements more formal uh, mental health applications. Mm. I'd like to teach tarot as well when I get the chance, because the way I say it even if you go to a therapist every single day, yeah. you still have 23 hours when you don't have that physical or emotional support with you. And so I find that tarot can be a tremendous support and even a psychological anchor, if you're familiar with that term, yeah, to I know what you mean. center yourself and to, in many ways, to bring you out of yourself, especially if you are ruminating or fixating or perseverating, these things that can sometimes happen in the midst of a mental health crisis. Yeah. And obviously, this isn't medication, and this isn't going to fix any of your problems. It's not magical, more than we call anything else magical, <laughs> which we will sometimes do. But it is a really terrific tool that has been a real neat support in my journey, and I've watched it be that in other people's journey as well. Yeah, I've only just started learning about tarot recently. It's um, it's really, um, I, you know, because I grew up in evangelical Christianity, and so I was kind of told that tarot was evil and all this. You know, don't go anywhere near it. You know, this is where the devil gets in, kind of thing. But yeah, that's what I did too. Actually, I only picked up tarot. It's hard to believe. It's four years ago. Last weekend. I've only been doing it for four years, but at the same time, I've been telling people, well, you get a degree in four years, you know? (laughs) That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And it is fascinating. I think there's, I spoke with another guy who does this on the show a few months ago, and that was really fascinating. And that opened my eyes to actually, oh, this could actually be a really great tool for for growth and for insight into yourself. Um, And the way that you use it... um, yeah, is to help people with their emotional health. That's fantastic. I think that's really, really great. Um, so tell me, like, tell me a bit about your the process about how you use tarot to to help people. Okay. Well, um, I have to give uh, how do you say a shout out to one of my teachers at. Um, oh my goodness, <laughs> I didn't write her name down. Um, but the uh, I'll. I'll at U.S. Show Notes right now. I want to make sure I say it exactly right. But Wild Soul Healing is what she is on um, Instagram, but I'm blanking out on her. Um, Wild Soul Tarot might be her, her website. But Lindsay Mack is her name. <laughs> and she teaches a angle of tarot she calls Soul Tarot. And I did not know this when I found her podcast or her... She also has um, different teaching offerings But what I did find with her is that she approaches tarot very much the way I do, but she's been doing it longer than me. So that was really exciting for me to find because especially coming from a background, I think mine might be similar to yours, we're not taught self-trust. So we're always looking for confirmation and we're always looking for backup and we're always looking for proof. 
especially if you were raised like me with with literal apologetics teachings. And so you are taught this is how you think through things. This is how you prove things. This is how you make sure something is real and valid and so on. And so when I'm now going down a path that that training would not affirm, <laughs> it's mm. been really helpful for me to find other people who've been doing it longer or and part of what she does and another one little red tarot is, is the other one that i found that was very helpful mm-hmm. was that um all of these focus on non-predictive tarot a lot of times tarot is associated with fortune telling and here's what's coming down the pike and here's what you should do and here's mm-hmm. what to watch out for and when I first picked up my first deck of cards, I picked it up because of the art. That's it was it was an amazing deck called Shadowscapes, and it's incredibly detailed. And if you uh, look up Shadowscapes online, anybody, uh, you'll Shadowscapes Tarot, you'll find a um, amazing amount of art. It's watercolor fantasy art is what it is. It's incredibly detailed, and so with my background in fantasy and storytelling, I just fell in love with the images and I read the book that came with the deck it was a book and deck set and in the introduction the artist says right there you don't have to use these to tell the future and I was kind of intrigued and I said okay this kind of fits my understanding and as I read on now I should back up and say one of my closest friends told me once that my second language is metaphor which I adore and uh, mm-hmm. I always have an analogy for anything. And mm-hmm. so when I started looking at these images and reading how they were supposed to contain meaning, that created a whole new world of metaphor for me. Only now it was visual. And I realized at that point and gradually understood more as they went on, I had never been able to think visually before this point. I was 36 years old and I could not think visually. I'd only discovered my emotions three or four years before, so I mean, go figure. But (laughs) the um, point is that I've always been very intellectual and very verbal, and then as I discovered my emotions and spent more a a few years getting to know them, I found that I was reaching the end of my language. And that was a really scary thing for me because language was my lifeline. It was my security blanket. It was this, uh, I use the analogy I use is that it's a bowl that holds what you might call the broth of experience. If you've ever made a really good broth, it's hot, it's liquid, you pour it into a container, and as it solidifies, it literally gels. We talk about ideas gelling, so that's where all this comes from. And and so there's this point where I felt like I was going to lose something because I couldn't find the words for it. And so when I found that these images could contain meaning that was you can translate into words, but it lets you touch a feeling before you reach words. It became this bridge for me between experience and language that I could say, oh, this is an empress experience. And then I would get that as an instinct, as a flash, as as an image essentially from one of the cards because I've seen dozens of decks now. And so a different empress might look different and be the thing that flashes to mind. But then at that point, I can take the concept of the empress and I can go through the dozens of meanings that can come with Empress, and that can help me bring that experience into words. And so in this case, I could be saying, all right, this means 
that I need to be paying more attention to nurturing or accepting nurturance? Can I accept help? Can I be thankful for someone's gratitude instead of pushing it away? And those are all concepts, some of the concepts that can be encompassed in the concept of the empress. And so that's uh, how I've been using tarot. It's uh, The way I learned was by... I mean, I read a few books, obviously. To, I mean, this is to start with. I've done more since then, but <laughs> yeah. But in the very beginning, in the very beginning, I read the book that came with the deck, and then I looked at our local library, and they had a book there called Tarot for Beginners by Barbara Moore, and in that book, now it was an ebook, and I was reading it on. We drove to church one morning, so this was just lovely irony, all buried up in there. But I got to what is the third card in most books, and it's called the High Priestess. Oh, yeah. And this card, this description of the card is what anchored me in. This is what told me I had to keep going. And, and it had everything to do with, again, we talk about our evangelical backgrounds, uh, church-type backgrounds, and conservativeness. And so one of the features of that for me, like I said, we were really into apologetics in my neck of the woods, and there was a lot of non-gossip talking about others. There were never, never any names named. They just say, oh, this thing happened. This is why it's wrong, and this is how they could have avoided the trouble they ended up in. Mm. And so they were teaching stories. I mean, and I, and I think all parents tend to do them. But the, the impact it had on me was that I somehow reached the impression that trouble was all avoidable. Not all trouble. I mean, there's some things that are too big to, to really um, get around. But that, yeah. but that anything that was choice-based could, could be got around. Now, I knew nothing about victim-blaming at the time, but this sounds a whole lot like victim-blaming now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what happened to me is that I read this description of the high priestess, and I haven't read it in any other book, but I've hung on to it. And that was that the high priestess represents the kind of knowing you can only have from experience. That this is experience, or this is, excuse me, this is knowledge that you can't get from a book, that you can't get from another person. And the reason that was magical to me was because I had absorbed by this point that the tarot deck is this hundreds of years old art deck that represents universal human archetypes. And so the idea is that they worked their way into the tarot or what became the tarot because they were universal. To translate that into the idea that there are some things you can never know except through experience meant that all of the weight that I had been carrying, mostly unconsciously, that I should be able to live this perfect life if I was just paying attention enough, if I studied enough, if I did enough preparation and thought things through, was suddenly just blown to pieces. I was like, wait a minute. Mm. If it's true that there's things you can't know until you know, well, then all this anxiety I'm carrying about getting everything right isn't substantiated. There's, there's not a way to actually do this. And when you look at it objectively, I mean, of course you know that you can't know everything. Nobody's going to say you can know everything. But... I always had this impression somewhere that, you know, since I'm, quote-unquote, smart, I yeah. should be able to figure this out. 
And that was just a, a weight I carried until I met the high priestess. And so when that happened and I felt that burden lift, that's when I knew I wanted to dig deeper because I'm always super impressed when I can come across something that I never thought of before but makes sense. It, mm. That's just my sweet spot. And uh, and that's what kept me looped in. And that's, that's what took me deeper was finding that reality and knowing that as much as that freed me, I was only three cards in. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Only three cards in and you have that kind of, that revelation. <laughs> Um, it's fascinating, really, that you just look at a card and it and it speaks into your story somehow. That's mm-hmm. it's really powerful. And and so has it been a really? I, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm guessing the answer is yes. But I mean, how has this been a tool for your own emotional healing? The main thing, and this is still a work in progress because I swear this goes in cycles. It's about self trust. When you come to a tarot deck, it is not a holy text. It's not something that you can proof text from. It is not something you can say, this card means this, therefore that. Yeah. Because any time you can make meaning out of a card, yeah. that's its meaning. And that is amazing to me because um, I grew up knowing scripture, knowing not just how to proof text, but how to put things in context and have them still say what you want them to say, you know, because that was how you be genuine and honest instead of just yanking people's chains. So so it was a real interesting thing to lay out the cards and say, all right, does this make sense? Does this not? And sometimes it doesn't work in the sense that I'd have to work too hard to make this fit my life. And it would be saying things about me that are negative. And not just the negative that here everybody needs to improve, but the negative that is reinforcing the negative tapes in my head, the recordings that say whatever, that I'm too critical or that um, I'm looking for trouble. I mean, just old tapes that I've mostly manage to turn off every now and then if a certain card comes up it'll trigger just like any other trigger could uh, a reminder of an old thought pattern and so from there I have to decide all right is this a warning that I'm falling into a bad pattern or is this my mind trying to go back into a well-worn groove and Mm. so it requires a measure of self-awareness you can't just go into this any more than you can uh, be your own therapist, but at the same time, you can approach, for example, when you read a good book, you can read this book and go, wow, I never knew this before. This is going to really help me. And that's the same thing the tarot can do. And it's important at the same time to recognize that the cards aren't destiny, because that's the hardest thing for people who really want yeah. support and guidance, that they'll, you know, any port in a storm, so it's something I have had to fight at different times when I'm, for example, when I'm depressed, so I'm more vulnerable. Um, I have to really check those uh, negative recordings that, all right, am I doing this reading and seeing this here and it's just reinforcing that I'm this you know, rotten person? Or 
is this just the first place my mind goes because I'm already in depressed mode? And what are the next five things that I could interpret this card as? Because that's one of the neat things that came through the teaching we had in Soul Tarot and some of the places where, um, which is the name of the class that Lindsay Mack teaches, by the way, um, right. to, to contextualize that, <laughs> is that the cards are all neutral in the sense that nature is neutral, that things can happen that we don't like, that are uncomfortable, and that are even destructive, but that are not... Um, bad in the sense of attacking you. It's not out to get you. One of the cards that a lot of people will recognize, even if they've never picked up a tarot deck on their own, is what's called the Three of Swords. And the most common image for the Three of Swords is a red heart-shaped heart with three swords stabbed through it. And this is a card that is about betrayal. I mean, it's, it's very obviously visually destructive. You literally can stab through the heart. And um, how how can this possibly be good? Well, the answer is it's not. It's not good. But what good can we bring out of it is the question. And what I've seen other people do and adopted as my own is that when you have reached the point of this deep destruction, when you have reached this point of this immense personal pain, the flip side of that is that you can't be gaslit anymore. So many of us will walk through in a relationship, in a life, in a job where things are happening. And again, because of that self-doubt or the lack of self-trust or not really knowing what we're seeing, we'll be gaslit. People will lie to us. We'll maybe know it's not true, but we'll wonder about our own perceptions. Once you've reached the point of that deep pain, that three of swords pain, it's real. And you are no longer arguing with yourself about whether you can trust yourself. You can believe the pain. And, mm. uh, and that's, that's the redemption point. It's not ever saying that things are okay. I loved what I saw in a tweet somebody said, and I, I'm not going to get it exactly right. But she said, don't credit my trauma for making me who I am. My resilience did that. Yeah. And, and that's where... And that's where we take these hard cards, is that, all right, the bad thing happened, or the bad thing's in front of us, or we're walking through the bad thing. Now take the next step. And what's next? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, take that next step. It's always, one thing I've learned in the last few years is that it's, you can't build structures around the pain. You have to go into the pain. You have to actually face Mm -hmm. it. You have to confront it. You have Mm -hmm. to go to that place um to get there to get to be free from its control to be free from its power so that then you can take control and you can take you can you can seize the power to um get healing from your pain and to go in and come out of it again because that's what life that's what happens in life you know you don't just stop having pain because you faced up to it, but you learn how to navigate it and you learn how to manage it. And, and that process means you get healing, you know, that's, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and just another thought as well, obviously you said you've got the same kind of background as me in terms of your, your faith. How has learning about tarot and practicing it impacted your, your spiritual journey? 
often need that bridge, like I said, between wordless and words. Uh, there's a book called um, The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren, and she talks about how emotions are the bridge between the unconscious and the conscious, so that the unconscious, for example, will bring up the emotion. And then from there, if we're self-aware, if we're paying attention, we can name the emotion, we can look at what the job of the emotion is, and that helps us to connect to what hasn't quite bubbled to the surface yet and helps to draw it out. And like you said before, walking into the pain and, and dealing with what we need to deal with. And Tara has served a similar function for me where there are things that I maybe haven't put into words yet or don't know how to put into words. And the tarot will have an image there. And when, when you read tarot, typically what you have is what's called a spread. And a spread is essentially a template where each position, whether it's a cross or a circle or four cards in a row, mm. where each of those slots are designated with one label. So, for example, uh, a friend of mine will do a three-card spread every day, and the first card is, <clears throat> excuse me, the first card is awareness, the second card is resistance, and the third card is integration. Mm. And these are powerful words on their own, just to be cognizant of what are you aware of, where's the resistance, how are you integrating this conflict in today's time. Yeah. And so that's super exciting just as a concept. But then when you add the tarot to that, you have three cards that you're laying out. I'm just going to lay three cards out here to use that as an example. So the first card I have in the awareness section is what's called the Eight of Swords. The first interpretation of the Eight of Swords is, is being trapped. So there's maybe an awareness of being trapped. The resistance here is the eight of wands it's called and this is largely about speed and intensity so when i see trapped and then i see the resistance is speed i see somebody who just wants to get out of their trouble in a hurry and they're maybe not ready to do the work and then finally in the integration we have what's called the queen of wands and i kind of love that because integration as i understand it really has to do with let, let me just say uh, adding personal power. It mm. means, especially in this idea of being trapped, it's saying, all right, the, the secondary thing about eight of swords, so I said it was the first thing, the first layer is being trapped. The second layer is that frequently the figure is often the images that there is a figure, usually a woman, who is surrounded by swords and she's blindfolded. But often there is room between the swords she could walk out if she knew that she could, but there's this sense of being blindfolded. So the, so the next layer down from just being trapped is not knowing that you're not completely trapped. And so the third card, the integration part with the Queen of Wands, the Queen of Wands is all about personal charisma and delight in yourself and doing what you feel like you were meant to do. And I love that in the integration step as the path out of being trapped is that no longer seeing yourself as surrounded and helpless, but rather seeing yourself in this modality of having power and wanting to be who you were meant to be. 
So that, that's one example for how the template, the spread, can add layers to the cards you've drawn. I see. Interesting. Really interesting. So, yeah. So we were going to, we talked about this beforehand. What we thought it might be really interesting if, um, if Ren did a reading for me for the recording while we're recording and then after that do a reading for those who are listening which you will be able to interpret kind of we'll go through that and explore that and see what it could mean for you because all of you will be listening with your own different stories so but it will be allow you to interact with what we're doing and maybe somehow experience it for yourself and um yeah so um yeah, I'm kind of going to hand this over to you, Ren, because it's, uh, you're the expert. <laughs> okay. So the reading I'll do for you is uh, just a simple four-card reading, and I'll be shuffling and don't know how loud it will be over my voice. <laughs> but one of the things that we talk about in tarot is the, the old four elements of the stories, the earth, air, fire, and water. I don't know how many listeners are familiar with that, but it's something that I and my storytelling family uh, kind of know by default. Like some people know the primary colors. We know the four elements. And uh, my now 15-year-old actually, <laughs> she was supposed to give a practice demonstration in eighth grade. Uh, so she could practice, you know, like, like they teach you in eighth grade to give presentations and stuff. She did a PowerPoint presentation on the four elements to her eighth grade class. And she went and found fantasy art so she'd have a fairy and a dragon for each one. And that just, as, as a storytelling mama, that just tickles me so much. But what was interesting is that she did not know that there are whole self correlations to the elements, which surprised me because I was sure I'd talked about it at some point. But in the tarot, we use all four elements, and we use those elements in relation to some aspect of personhood. So, for example, Earth represents the home and the physical body. And it also represents being more than just physical bodies in a very physical world, the idea that we're something more. Mm. Air represents the mind, the intellect. Water represents emotions. It also represents relationships. And fire represents identity, creativity, and energy. So okay. each one of these cards, we divide them into four stacks, and we have one card for each section. Okay. So what I have here is in the fire section, oh, and we have a cat climbing on, but only you will see that. <laughs> in the fire section, we have what's called judgment. Judgment is a figure often represented as an angel with a trumpet. Often there are figures, human figures below them coming out of uh, coffins or out of a, a cave. And it, it represents uh, final judgment, which um, would give you a hint that uh, the, the origins of the tarot are actually very tied to Catholicism and uh, is part of an inside joke among many non-religious tarot readers that 
so many religious people seem to be against tarot without realizing how much religious imagery is in them. Yeah, but, yeah, somebody else said that to me before. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. <laughs> but anyway, to, sorry, I keep interrupting myself. But the judgment card represents the final judgment. It can represent the end of all things. But again, looking, this is a good example of talking about my Christian background because I have always felt secure in my relationship with God, salvation, whatever you want to call it, judgment was never something I was afraid of. So the idea of final judgment, which to some people, uh, legit, that's their interpretation because that's their life experience, interpret this card as very frightening because Mm -hmm. you have now lost complete control. It's now everything's in the hands of an outside entity. I interpret this card very much in line with uh, scriptures I learned growing up. And what I use first and foremost with this is the scripture that talks about, now I see dimly, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. So it's a card about clarity. And so when I see this in this position for you, it makes me think that either in your career or in yourself, you are getting a lot more clarity in recent days or, or the recent season, I, I, I don't do time frames actually, <laughs> but in the recent season, you've had more clarity in either your job or your own uh, self-identity about purpose and calling and things like that. Uh, well, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, I did just get a new job, permanent job, uh, to pay the bills while I uh, do all my creative work. So there is that. And also, yeah, I think it's really interesting because we didn't talk about I, you didn't know any of this about me beforehand. Um, that, well, you know, I've kind of realised that I've got a little bit of a wound in relation to um, writing that I've, that I've been hurt, that I've just discovered this wound. I didn't realise how deep it was and I'm having to take some, some space to deal with that. Um, because I feel it's part of my vocation and part of my calling, and um, but I can't, I can't go and keep doing it until I deal with this wound. So, in that sense, there's been a bit of clarity, um, and a bit of clarity about how much I enjoy doing this podcast and some of the things, that, some of the issues that I want to talk about as well. So that is kind of true. <laughs> That's kind of accurate, yeah. Uh-huh. The second card related to water, so related to emotions and relationships, is what's called the Hierophant, and it came in reversed. The Hierophant is, in most decks, represented by a Pope-like figure with a tall hat and uh, crossed keys and uh, usually some acolytes at their feet um, waiting to hear their wisdom. The Hierophant card represents the wisdom of tradition or trailblazing and leading the way and the way being capitalized, the idea of this singular path that is being explored. And this one came up reversed and it makes me think, like I said, it's in the uh, emotions and relationships category. I would say you're making space in your emotions for more than one interpretation. And I'm thinking, especially since this is tied to relationships, that it is maybe even about you've had your journey that you are on and you have found your path. 
And it's been important to reject other paths so you could find your own, but I think you're moving into a place where you can acknowledge or accept that other people have different paths that um, you might not agree with, but you are perhaps no longer feeling as personally constrained by the fact that they're different. Hmm. I don't know, does that resonate for you? Um, yeah, I mean, are you talking about in in like personal relationships or um or just friendships or family relationships or it's a very broad umbrella position so it could be any of those i just was i just had this image of when we start our healing journeys we very often need to have blinders on so we can focus on our path Mm. and so people who interrupt our singular focus are threats and then as we grow and as we get stronger we're stronger to let those blinders off and stay on our own path. We still find people bumping into us kind of threatening, but we don't need the blinders up anymore because we have our path. And then I think we grow to another stage where we can stay on our path even though other people are, are zigging across it. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. There's definitely an element of that in that I am able to <laughs> detach myself from people who disagree with me a bit more than I used to, um, because they often used to wind me up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I kind of, I think it related to the other one in terms of knowing my, knowing your path, knowing what you're meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. That helps you focus on that and not worry so much about what other people are doing, in a sense, and not letting it affect you. And not letting that affect your relationships with the people that are doing those things. So again, yeah, there's a there's a lot of truth in that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third element is air, and this one is one of those hard cards. This particular deck I'm using, um, the the image doesn't look very threatening. This deck I'm using is the Shadowscapes for the listeners, uh, and so this particular card has a woman who is. Uh, falling through the air with a giant cape that's been punctured by a number of birds that are tearing through it. So the implication here is that she is in danger and that she is falling. The typical Ten of Swords image is a figure of some kind that has literally been stabbed through with Ten Swords. (laughs) Nothing subtle about about that image. Um, This, we'll call this the mental health card because this is the one where you can feel like Everything is as wrong as it can go. And this is in the uh, intellect communications um, conflict section. And uh, and so that's always a tough card for me to <laughs> describe with an audience, so I'll, I'll try to be careful here. Um, but mainly it suggests that there is a whole lot of uh, tension or fear uh, surrounding this area of uh, intellect conflict and communication like I said it's a huge umbrella but um, there is this fear of hitting rock bottom and uh, yeah yeah that, that's a that's a genuine fear that's a genuine fear because um, I when I have down days you know because and everyone knows on this podcast listens to this podcast knows that I've that I've had anxiety and that I've been working through a lot of my childhood trauma and um, uh, the grief of losing a parent um, and 
I'm a highly sensitive person, which is a neurological condition. So, um, and I get affected by seasonal affective disorder, which particularly at this time of year is, is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's darker. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, when I do have low moments, um, there is a temptation, and, and of course pain is a comfort thing. Pain, when, you, when you've experienced pain a lot, um, it's almost a comfort to, to somehow put yourself in a place of pain because then at least it's familiar you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and people who've been through trauma will know will know exactly what i'm talking about so there is an art of sometimes that um when i'm in my dark it really i mean i don't have i don't have really dark moments very often um i'll be clear about that it really is very rare now um but when i do there is this kind of voice of my inner child or my teenager um who was traumatized just saying like what's the point give up this is not there's no point in me like writing anymore there's no point in me doing anything anymore creative there's no point in me even trying to have a successful life because what's because it's just going to have the same result all over again there's no point in me dating again because um i'll because it'll just end in it'll just end again and i'll get hurt again you know so there is an element of that sometimes there's a temptation to go to that place sometimes and it can be very easy to go to that place. Um, and it takes a lot of work to not go to that place. Um, and to get yourself out of that place if you do go there, because sometimes you do. It's just life Life is like that. Um, and fortunately, I've built a lot of structures and mechanisms and mindset practices that can get me out of those places um, without them controlling me. So that's a really good thing. Um, yeah. Because you yeah. can, because even when you're in a place of health, you can still have those moments, and I think that's really important that people think that oh, if you're healthy, uh, you shouldn't have those moments at all. But that's not true because we're yeah. and like the thing I think one of my favourite phrases, and I think I'm going to get a t-shirt made and try and sell it <laughs> with this on it. Like we're just human, you know, we're just human. Um, mm-hmm. We we don't have to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to be happy all the time. We're not going to have it all go our way all the time. Um, so it's yeah. just learning to navigate how to be human. And so, yeah, I have those moments. And that, because mm-hmm. I'm human. And so I just, I've just learned to bring myself out of those moments and have a support network around me to help me. Um, good, and, good. you know, a spiritual director who's also a therapist as well. Um, I have a life coach and I have friends I have a spiritual community and all of these people who help me when those when those times come and it's okay um, the, the hardest thing actually is teach is is teaching yourself that it's okay to be like that and still be it doesn't it doesn't make you immature it doesn't make you no. unwise it doesn't make you foolish it doesn't make you childish it doesn't make you deficient it just makes you human mm-hmm. Um, right, and it doesn't mean it's your fault either. Exactly, you know, you yeah. You blame for it. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to show you, and so I'll turn to the listeners that I'm just showing a picture <laughs> of the uh, of one of the cards. This is the type of card, and this is an actual figure of a for the listeners of a man with ten literal swords stabbed in his back. <laughs> That's wow. the traditional card. But the reason I wanted to show you that is because I wanted to show you. What's very interesting in my journey through tarot and what has been the most useful thing in my learning the cards is being able to compare multiple decks because they become what I call visual synonyms. 
Right. And so you have the idea of here is the same card, but here's what it meant to this artist over here. And um, what I'm showing you next is what's from a deck called the Anna K deck. And what you see in here for the listeners is you see the ten swords stabbed into bloody snow. And behind it in the distance, you can see mm. a person walking away with bloody footprints and the holes in their back, but they're walking oh, away from wow. their swords. Mm. And it's such a powerful image. It really is. Like I can just, it, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like two big mountains of snow and all these swords in the snow and, and the red on the on the white and then there's this, this little trail of red and this person walking away. Um, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the neat neat things to me about well knowing lots of different decks but also seeing what what tarot can offer because especially when you think about the whole being human and having these really down moments mm. um knowing or having having an image like that to to hold another image that i have a ten of swords in a deck that has a, a, lot, a lot of animals in that deck it's a blue whale that's breaching so it's mostly out of the water and it has ten swords in its chest which of course is also disturbing but like like you would see them in a person but you see the scale so much mm. different you see these 10 swords and you know it's wounding but it's so different than you see them in a human-sized figure and the idea again is that here's another perspective on the 10 of swords that you have the wounding but it's also something you're bigger than that wounding yeah absolutely yeah and i, I love that i really do that it's just like and the one picture that I always keep in my mind, more often than not recently, is if all our emotional wounds were physical and you could see them, we'd all be walking around with wounds. We'd all be walking around with scars <laughs> all over us. In fact, some of us yeah. would be saying, why aren't you going to a hospital? You know, like, there's something wrong with you. You need to go to the hospital right now. You know, you're bleeding really, really badly. Um, because we're all the walking wounded in many ways. Every single one of us is like... and um, I didn't expect to be talking about this today. This is really interesting. <laughs> um, but, it's, but it's... Yeah, it's true. And um, if we can just own that fact, and it's okay, actually, to have wounds... And as long as we are not building structures around them, but dealing with them um, in a healthy way with people around us, with experts, with community, with friends, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the final card is in the earth section. And this, again, is about uh, the body, the physical body or your physical home. And the card of this position is called the Two of Wands. And this is usually a figure who is standing with two tall staffs, is what they call the wands, that is usually staves. And they're looking out over a landscape. A lot of the traditional images have um, a man holding a globe in one hand and looking out from a tall balcony. Actually, this is a good time to say it, and I did not plan it this way, but if you go to my blog on my website at untanglingtarot.com the latest blog post is actually a gallery of two of wands imagery there's 10 different pictures from 10 different decks and i chose them to be very different from each other as uh 
as a rule. They're, they're, you, and you can kind of see the similarities. So if you want to play along at home and go look at that blog post, you can see the tremendous variety that can come in images that way. Two of Wands is a card about possibility. If you can think of it as a magical doorway, it's like here's these two sides uh, of the doorpost that you can walk through. Mm-hmm. It's also about the, the world is your oyster. You've got all these options. And so to see this in the, the body and home category, you're not looking for a new home, are you? A new place to live. Not yet, but I might be okay. soon. <laughs> okay. It's, it's okay. Um, I more often see this connected to the body than the home, so I thought I'd throw the home thing out there. Um, I would see this as an invitation to uh, try something new, like physically as opposed to intellectually, since this is the body-based card. So like if you were thinking of something new you wanted to learn or a new eating thing or, or an action thing or some rock climbing, I don't know, just something that your body would be doing instead of your mind, this is an invitation to just go for it. Interesting. Interesting. Because I have been thinking about going to the gym more, doing more yoga. Um, and I've been thinking of moving house. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just got my job, so I'm hoping that in the, like the next six months or so, I'll be able to to rent a flat or something on my own, um, while I can keep saving for to buy somewhere. Um, so there's a lot of truth in there, <laughs> uh, a lot of different things that I was thinking of. That actually just, just gives you a bit of encouragement that oh yeah, this is this is um, this this kind of affirms what I'm already thinking about. Um, and I mean, like I mean, I know all of this that we've talked about has given me a bit of clarity because it's um, it's a f- kind of affirmed what's already going on in a way, and mm-hmm. like um, affirmed that I'm on the right path and affirmed that I'm making some of the right decisions around um, you know my creative stuff that we talked about earlier and dealing with my dealing with my wounds and moving on and. Um, trying to build new practices into my life, trying to, um, yeah, to keep on that path of growth. Um, And, uh, yeah, and just, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's it's actually, it's it's great because it's not, like you say, it's not predicting anything and it's not some kind of mystical kind of supernatural thing. It's just giving you insights into yourself and into your own journey and affirming affirming what's going on and encouraging you to keep going and giving hints that some of the things that you're thinking about might be good things and to go and explore them. Um, so that's all really encouraging. Yeah, and this is probably a good place to mention that I've been working on metaphors, ideas, or ways of explaining how tarot is different from things like therapy, like coaching, because it is its own animal. And the best analogy I have right now is that it's a little bit like uh, a second mate on a ship Mm. where the captain makes the decisions and the first mate's the one who passes them on and makes sure they get carried out. And the second mate's the one that stands watch. And it's the one that, you know, watches the anchor mooring lines when you're in port. It's the communications officer, sometimes the medical officer. It's this presence that 
in my mind is about shoring up uh, the things that are already there. And, and so a lot of people, um, so, so, so one of the main objections to tarot say when you're not religious, one of the main non-religious objections to tarot say intellectual objections is, well, you told him he's going to the gym. Three quarters of the universe thinks they're going to go to the gym soon. I mean, so you, that, I mean, that could have just been playing the odds, you know, that, that kind of response. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the, the main non-religious objection to things like tarot. But I always say, well, I'm not giving you new information. I mean, the, that's not the point. It, what, what tarot is, is an invitation to focus on something. It's an invitation. 78 cards here. Any one of them could have come up in this slot. But this is the one that came up. So we're focusing on this at this moment. And and I just really appreciate the language of invitation. You know, you're never being told what to do. You're never being uh, coerced. You're never being scolded. And uh, as opposed to, let's say, I, I equate therapy to something like patching on the hole. You're taking on water. Let's let's mend the structure of the boat so that you can float better, you know. And and coaching is more like let's say navigation. Where are we now? Where do we want to be? How are we going to get there? Okay, so that's mm. kind of like coaching. And and like I said, tarot is is more like the just the running, keeping things going smoothly. Mm. You know, we we already let's say you you got a job shipboard. So in order to get that job, you must have known something, okay? You, you, mm. you don't just show up and have to be taught everything that you didn't know. But you don't always know what's next. You don't always know what to prioritize. You don't always know where to put your attention right at this moment. And, and that's the role that I see tarot playing. And I say sometimes, there, there's a spread that I've, I do sometimes for yes-no questions. I tend not to do, I, I discourage yes-no questions because they don't, give you much information to work with. And I just say it's like an elaborate coin toss, <laughs> which is okay. We throw coins all the time, right? But um, but what it is, is it's an action step. It's a way to move forward. And I find a lot of value in that. Yeah, I think so. And that's what, that's what it feels like, an invitation. Certainly, yeah. Um yeah fantastic um you'll probably have to write that all down that my my my, my reading down and send it to me because i might forget but uh, it's really really great um so then so i think the best i think i think given it's an invitation the idea of invitation i think the best way to end this episode would be to just do a really short reading for people who are listening and sure. extend an invitation to them um as they as they finish listening to go and go away and reflect <laughs> so yeah just yeah take it away <laughs> so this next spread is one that uh i invented on my own uh, a friend again in, in one of my tarot forums last christmas season actually years ago now was asking if there was a spread for finals week. Mm. They were a little stressed out, and they just wanted something that they could try out and focus. And so a few different people, you know, found things or invented things, and, and this one was mine. And it ends up not really being just a final spread. It ends up being something like a reset. 
And so I want to offer this to your readers. Uh, readers. Ha ha, listeners. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and uh, to say, just, so the, the spread that I did for James already was what I call a mirror spread. It's looking at where you're at now. And the spread that I'm going to do next is what I call an invitation spread. It's the one that has, perhaps you could call them broader concepts. And that is a pair of, in this case, a pair of dualities. <clears throat> the uh, first pair is do and be. So we've talked about how we're human beings, not human doings. But we do still have to do. And so the first card's about doing, and the second card is about being, and that's a pair. And then the second pair is about what we know or what we hope. What we know are the things that are already established. What we hope is where we're setting our focus. And so that's, that's what we're looking at now. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so in the knowing and sorry, starting with the doing and being, the doing card, and this is so great for your listeners, you, you guys, this is terrific. Um, the first card here for the doing is called the King of Cups, and he showed up reversed. Now, the King of Cups represents an individual who is emotionally mature or is emotionally safe. It's someone who can create a, what I like to call a greenhouse, someone who uses their privilege to create a safe space for other people to grow in what they're already good at. Mm. And it showed up reversed, and I've always seen that as there's a little bit of fear mixed in there. So looking at this as a doing, uh, I would challenge and invite your listeners to see themselves as having and not being afraid to create a space of safety for those around them, to be willing to be that greenhouse that lets other people try out what it means to be emotionally mature. Now, it's, that's for doing. For being, we have the card called the world. And this is a card that comes at the very end of what's called the major arcana, which are the storytelling cards. And it represents the closing of a cycle. And we're coming up on the end of the year here, so this is kind of fun. But um, this is a card of peace and contentment. And coming up in the being slot, I want to suggest that you are invited to recognize this closing as a passage and that it's okay to let it close because it's the right time. Next, we have knowing. And the reason I said this is interesting is because it was the Eight of Swords again. I always find it interesting when cards show up more than once because I did shuffle these guys. And so in the knowing, uh, as the Eight of Swords is here, I'd invite you to consider where you feel trapped to look beyond where you're at in this exact moment and see if where you are focusing your attention is the right place. 
what we're going through is definitely real. And that's one of the risks of the Eight of Swords. Some some readers will always say, this is your own fault, you're trapped here. And, and, and that's something that is not uh, appropriate in trauma-centered tarot. <laughs> we're not going to be blaming you for anything. But it's, it is an invitation to look for where uh, your attention is focused. And is it focused on where you're trapped? Or can you look for that back door? Can you lift the corner of the blindfold and see if there is someone who can either guide you or you can find for yourself that, that step between the swords. That's the knowing side. That's where to apply your mind. And then finally, in hope, uh, I mentioned this card once before. It is the three of swords. And there is uh, this recognition of pain that is in the lives as we said, as James said earlier, of everyone, we're all carrying these wounds. But this is a hope. This is a invitation in my mind, especially with my background, I'd say it's a prayer that the pain that you experience would be eye-opening and it would be the sort of pain that gives you clarity so that the lies that may have surrounded you, perhaps as in the Eight of Swords, that the lies would be seen through because you have had this experience that opened your eyes. And the hope that goes along with that is, of course, healing. But that is something that is very, very individual. And I feel like I need to draw one more card to, to wrap that up because the Three of Swords is hard to end on. Ah, uh, this is good. This is the Six of Wands reversed. Now, the Six of Wands is all about, uh, it usually has a person who's parading through the streets on a horse in like a laurel wreath headdress. Mm. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. And they're basically, they're being lauded and they're being praised for some awesome accomplishments. But again, it showed up reversed. And what I didn't say earlier is that reversed doesn't mean opposites. There's about 12 different ways you can interpret reversals. And uh, in this context, also there's a blog post about reversals on the website if you care to read that. But showing up in this context, especially after the, the Eight and Three of Swords, this is a card that suggests to me that your victory is going to be invisible, that it's going to be not lauded by the world around you because it's not the kind of victory that can be seen outside of yourself. But that does not make it any less real. It is still very real, even when you're the one who knows about it and the whole world outside you doesn't. And, it, and I would invite you to share your victory with the people who can't see it so that your people can celebrate with you because victories are, are to be celebrated. And that's a really neat invitation that even when your victories are invisible to the outside world, they are still entirely real. That's beautiful. That's really encouraging. And I hope this has been beneficial for you listening. Um, one thing I would love to do is if you could, um, if you're listening and this has benefited you and, um, do get in touch with me um dm me on twitter i'm at james prescott 77 um so get in touch with me and if you want if you've got a story you want to share about how this has benefited you or what it meant to you um and i'll pass those on to uh 
to Ran as well to encourage her um, because um, yeah that would be really great and I think I think this is the, hopefully this will benefit a lot of people it's really it's benefited me um, even that second reading has benefited me so thank you Ren for coming on and doing this and uh, yeah we'll have to have you back on and do it again sometime yeah I love talking about tarot it's been a really neat season of discovery for me since I took this on yeah yeah I'm excited to um, to explore this more um, so thank you um, Ren and um, thank you everyone for listening and uh, participating and I hope you'll accept the invitation that Ren has extended to you today So take care, everyone.